Can you guys hear me? All right. Sorry, getting, uh, getting settled up here. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be together with you uh, this morning, church. Like Adrian said, my name's Tim. I'm one of the, the pastors here at Grace. And uh, what a week we've been through. Uh, wow. Uh, a friend of mine from Colorado texted me trying to lighten the mood. And he said, what's been worse for you guys in, in Texas this year so far, COVID or the snow? Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's wow. We're just not ready for this type of weather near at the very end of, of our winter. Pretty crazy. Uh, I'm sure you guys got all the updates just like I did, uh, that Elsa's been arrested, and uh, we're good to go now. Um, but, but seriously, uh, it seems like the worst uh, is past us, and uh, what a blessing that we're here with power, with water, uh, little things that we take for granted, um, and it just shows us how much we just truly need to appreciate uh, one another and hang on to each other. Um, if you're still going through a hard time, I know there's people in this church that, that, that want to help out. So let's just remember to keep reaching out, uh, not be ashamed to, to, to lend a helping hand to each other and ask for a helping hand. Uh, it's been a wild week. Um, we've got power, we got electricity uh, and water and all that, but a lot of us still don't have eggs. So, you know, we've got to help each other out with what you got. I'm getting the text updates. They're back in the shelves. They're back in the shelves. Go. Right? Uh, but we're, we're going to get through it, uh, and, and it's going to be okay. Uh, today we're going to pick up in uh, Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians again, and we're going to pick up uh, in the second chapter again. And, and remember, this letter uh, Thessalonians was written uh, to uh, the group of believers there in Thessalonica, and it was probably Paul's very first letter that he wrote that we open today, that we read today. And he wrote it because there was a group of disciples and a young church there that he wanted to encourage, and he was only with them for a very short period of time. But he loved them dearly, and so he's writing to them uh, to encourage them. And that's where we're picking up. Uh, thinking back on this last week, though, you know, in all the chaos of it, I don't know if any of you guys were able to venture out, but I ventured out to Walmart uh, looking for some essentials, right? Uh, don't worry, I didn't do better than you. I, I walked out with two bottles of water, and I was, I was happy with that. Uh, but I, I trying to get some essentials for the family, and, uh, and I chuckled on my way out the store uh, because I saw a dude on his way out with two briskets over the shoulders, and I thought, if there's anything that's more Texas snow apocalypse uh, essentials than that, it's brisket, right? Like, as long as, you know, at least he's going to have a good time outside, staying warm, cooking those briskets, having something uh, to eat. And it, it gave me a little chuckle as, as I saw this, this guy walking out there with the briskets, um, probably the last two there in the store, right? And uh, if you've ever smoked a brisket... Uh, you know that it's a labor of love. Brisket is something that, that there's no microwave option for it, unless you cheat and go to Rudy's, right? But th there's, it's something that takes time. You know, uh, to smoke a brisket, you're looking at at least half a day, and everyone's got all their secrets. Do you wrap it at the end? Do you wrap it with paper? Do you wrap it with foil? You know, you put it in the oven. Everyone's got their, their special sauce that makes their brisket their brisket. But it's something that you can't just speed up. It takes time uh, to go through but when you get done and you've let it rest and uh, you cut through that first slice and you see that meat and you pick off that burnt end and you throw it in your mouth and you get the taste of it, there's, there's nothing like it. And the reality is, church, life is actually a lot like a brisket. Everything in life that's worth anything takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of investment. Am I right? Nothing good comes to us that we don't have to invest our time and we don't have to invest ourselves into. And so think about some of those things in your life right now. Uh, any good marriage, uh, those of you who have been married for a while, 
your marriage has grown and developed because of the investments that you've made into it, because of the time you've put into it. Great friendships are the same way. Making a home a home. Uh, it takes time to make a home a special place, to make it a family, not only the physical space, but the relationships there. Or if you're growing a garden or working your landscaping, it takes time for things to grow and develop. Uh, trying to get in shape. We all want the fast way, the easy way, uh, but it's the long road that, that pays off of those slow, steady investments. Or mastering a sport, mastering an art, mastering an instrument. Think of you guys that are musicians or artists, where you started when you first started painting or when you first started playing an instrument, and maybe where you are today. Everything that's worth something, it takes time and it takes investment. And, and, and what we're going to see today as we open up this passage is Paul's going to be talking about that. And so I want to ask you guys this question this morning. What are you investing in, church? What are you investing in? What has your time, your money, your attention, what is it that you're putting those things into because you get joy out of it? You get a return. And as we open up uh, to the second chapter of Thessalonians, we wrap up the second chapter, we're going to see that Paul's going to share more about his relationship with this church, but he's going to give us these, this beautiful verse at the end that he's going to share what his greatest joy is. And I think we're going to get to see what our greatest joy in life as Christians can be. So I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. I want to invite you to pick up your Bible so you can make notes, so you can follow along. Uh, I'm also going to have the verses on the screen so you can follow along there. Uh, and, and we're going to walk through these last seven verses of chapter 2. And I'm just going to try to unpack little nuggets, little things that hopefully we can take away from seeing the life of Christ. The Bible's our guide for, for life. And so we're going to see what we can pick up. And then I just want to hover there at the end on what he shares about his greatest joy and what can be our greatest joy. So as we open up God's word this morning, would you just again bow your heads and let's just pray and thank God for our time today. Lord, we thank you again for this space, Father, to, to come. That you created a place like this for us, a church that men and women have labored to create relationships where love is present here, where a space is present here, where, where we can physically gather to proclaim what's true, to read your word. I pray, Lord, as I read your words this morning, I pray that your spirit would bring them to life in my heart, that it would bring them to life for each of us. And I pray that whatever we bring into this morning, Father, that you would just meet us where we are and encourage us in the power of your word. Lord, you tell us in, in John, Father, you tell us to... Stay connected to the vine because we cannot bear any fruit apart from you. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would help us to abide in you this morning through this time of being in your word. We surrender this time to you, and we pray all these things in your name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thank you all so much for praying. All right, here we go. Uh, chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, uh, verse 13. I'm going to read through these seven verses, and then we're going to start breaking them down one by one. So verse 13 says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God and Jesus Christ that are in Judea. 
For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the full, fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hinder us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus Christ as at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. So again, Paul summarizes here for us this relationship that he had with this young church. And then he shares with us the joy that he has in this relationship with them. And just for a moment, just to summarize what we just read, I want to remind us that one of the verses back in chapter 1, verse 7, told us that this group of believers, this church was a modeled church to all the churches in their region. It would be like us in the state of Texas. Like others were seeing what was happening with this group of believers and the testimony of Jesus Christ was going out through their lives. And so that was the effect. That's what happened through this church. And what we're going to see right now today is we just read these verses and we unpacked them is we're going to see the cause. What was it that was happening in their hearts? What was it that was happening in this church that caused the message of Jesus Christ to go out so powerfully through it? So back to verse 13. Let's break these down one by one. I just want to pull out small nuggets from these verses uh, and, and just things we can learn from the life of Paul. So back to verse 13. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this. I want to pause there for a second. You notice in the life of Paul, he's writing this letter to this church that he loves so much. And he says, and, and I constantly thank God for this. Even when he opened this letter in verse 2, he talked about how they were constantly in his prayers. And I just got a picture for a moment of us as Christians and just living a praying life. Just, I want to ask this morning, think about it. Who are the people right now, church, that like Paul, that he loved them dearly? Who are the people in your life that you love dearly, that God's put in your sphere that you want to pray for? And what are the ways that we can be praying for people in our lives this week? What are things that God's put in our heart? We need space sometimes like this in church or even just still moments at night or in the morning to reflect on that. I know if you're anything like me, sometimes I'm rushing so quickly. You know, it's just these, these quick prayers and, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But it's good to pause and say, what is it that God's put in my heart to pray for those that I love? Because God says if we ask for anything in his name, we will have it. If we pray the will of God over people, we're going to see God's will be done. And so just picture for a moment, church. I know it's a church that we are, but I think there's an encouragement for us here this morning to be more so that church, the power of a praying church. And even sometimes, what does a message look like? Just to send a quick text to somebody or something and just say, hey, I'm praying for you today. I know when, any, when anybody's ever done that for me, it's like, wow, that's, that's just so cool. And sometimes you feel that that power, that presence in our life. And so I think it's neat to see that in his relationship with this church, part of Paul's regular way of life was that he just prayed for them. He continues and he goes on to say in this verse, in verse 13, he says, 
that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but for what it really is. They accepted it as the word of God. How, how did that happen? Well, we know that how God works through our words is the Holy Spirit is here as a guide, as a vessel, and it's constantly working. And what he's saying here is this church heard Paul speaking, right? He was the one sharing. He was the one listening. He was the one preaching. And yet it wasn't Paul that they heard. It was the voice of God that they heard through a man. Has that ever happened to you before, church? I remember years ago being at a, at a church service at Brainerd Baptist Church, and the pastor was speaking, and I was going through a hard time. And I remember at one point in his sermon, he said with a lot of enthusiasm, young man, and I swear I almost jumped out of my seat because I thought he was specifically talking to me. It was like as if God, I mean, it was like he was directly calling to me, and I was like, yes, sir, yes, sir, that's me, right? Uh, but not just in church like this, even in our relationships, God will put people into our life at times to encourage us, to speak to us. And so church, I think if there's anything we can take away from this, once again, we either sell God or we sell ourselves too short. The Bible tells us that he wants to speak through us. And so church, we need to not be afraid to have courage to share God with others. Romans 10, 14 tells us that how can people believe unless they hear, and how can people hear unless they're told? And so it's a beautiful thing that, that they were able to hear the voice of God because Paul was courageous, and he spoke up and just said, I want to share the gospel. I want to share God with you. Uh, he goes on and he continues to say, you accepted it not as the word of man, but what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. We know that when we do hear those words from God's word, from other believers, from other people in our life, we know that it's God that's at work that's changing our heart, that's shaping us. Uh, Ephesians 1.14 tells us that if, if we accept Christ, if we believe that Jesus Christ has died for us, that the moment that that happens, that we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, that, that God sends the Holy Spirit into us as his deposit that we are his inheritance. We will never be separated, Romans tells us in Romans 8, 38 and 39. We'll never be separated from his love because the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. And so church, they accepted this message and it was at work in them, at work in them in, as believers because God's spirit was in them. So again, I think there's encouragement for us this morning reading these words of this early church, us being a church, that God's word is at work in us today and throughout the week. The Bible says that if we draw near to God, he will what? He will draw near to us. The Bible says that if we reach out to God, he's reaching out to us. He's never far from us. And so, church, I want to encourage us because I know that we get discouraged. Let us not stop reaching out to God. Let's not stop seeking to God. And we don't need to clean our life up. I know that right now there are sins hanging over many of our heads. And yet right now we can get before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I want you. I'm broken. I know I'm imperfect. Please help me. Please forgive me. And God wants to shower us with grace and truth and love. And so church, let us not be discouraged because the easy path is for us to get isolated, for us to feel alone, 
for, for death to sneak its way into our life. And yet God wants to be close to us. God's word is ready to be at work of us, in, at work inside of us. He goes on, he continues to say in verse 14, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. I just want to hang on that word imitators for a second because it's one of my favorite words in the entire New Testament. Uh, it comes out many times. And what we see in the life of churches and what we see in the Bible is that us as Christians, we are called to follow God's commands, but God also sends people into our life to imitate their way of life. Paul modeled what it looked like to follow Christ to Timothy, and Timothy modeled it to churches. Paul modeled it to this group of believers. And like we saw last week, his love was so genuine, so sincere, they accepted it. They began following it because they saw that his life matched his message. And so I think the church, the, the question that I want to ask us this morning is, church, who are we imitating today? Because once again, the temptation is that we begin to feel isolated or we see so many things on television that are, are definitely not people following after Jesus Christ, right? And we begin to model our lives of, after others, but, but there's an invitation from God to imitate those in our life that are godly. Of course, for us to be those people, but also to just imitate the people in the Bible, imitate those Christians around us that are seeking after God. Who are we modeling our lives after? Uh, let's continue this verse, verse 14, the second half of it. He says, For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. It's interesting reading these verses, if we go back to the book of Acts, that, that these men who killed the Lord Jesus and who killed the prophets, who persecuted the church, that the very person who's writing this letter to us was one of the leaders in that group. He knows exactly what's being spoken of because before coming to Christ, that was the life that he was living. He was persecuting the church. And so what a story of change, of testimony, of God's grace. Uh, you see throughout the story of Israel that as we flip back in our Bible, we go back to all these other books in here, the prophets, that God was constantly throughout the years sending people to his people to tell them, repent, turn back to me, grow close to me. But they didn't want to hear those things. They wanted to stay stuck in their sin. And they kept rejecting the prophets. And many of these prophets were killed. And ultimately, they rejected the ultimate prophet, Jesus Christ, and killed the Son of God, the Son of Man, on the cross. But we know that God got the victory because even in our sin, even in our rejection of God, which is true for me as well, we'd like to think we would be different. And yet, church, I'll tell you, as I look back on my life there's just, there's a pattern of sinfulness. There's a pattern of brokenness. That's where churches can get so lost is when we show up here starting to pretend like us as the church or us as the pastors that we are these righteous people. I am a, it sounds ugly to say this word in church, but I'm, I'm a filthy sinner. I'm a filthy sinner. There is nothing of me in itself that is worth following, but I can get up and I can proclaim to you 
that God continues to speak truth to me, to speak love to me, to help me, to follow him. And so Paul was, was the very one who was persecuting the church. The, the, the people in that day and age, the Jews, they killed Jesus Christ. And because of that, there were consequences at the time for their actions. And we see that, that the Jews suffered and, and uh, there were many things that happened to them. But the one who is the author of this story is God. And through Jesus Christ, perfect life and death for us, we can have salvation. It says here at the very end of these verses, it says, but wrath has come upon them. You know, uh, I brought a lot of my plants in. My neighbor said, hey, you got to get your plants inside. They're going to die. So I brought a lot of my plants in this week, but there was a lot of stuff that I couldn't bring in that was just, you know, it's, it's outside. It had to stay out there. And so it was cool to see for me this week the things that are still living from, from outside in our, in our landscape because they were inside and, and it's like an apocalypse to go outside and see all the stuff that's dead. It's just absolutely done, right? And then other stuff, we're like, I don't know if it's going to come back to life. We'll see what's going to happen. And it's funny. I, I thought about that this week. It's kind of like that's in the church with God's wrath. We love to talk about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish. But we don't like to quote as much John 3.36 that says, If you believe the Son of God, you have life. But if you reject the Son of God, God's wrath remains upon you. And I saw on one hand all these plants that are alive, and on the other hand, there's some that are just, they're done. They're toast. Uh, the, the, the freeze got them. Church, I think knowing that God's wrath is going to come upon the world for, for our sin is something that can motivate us to say, I want to speak up. I want to share God's word with the people that I love. I remember I was probably a lot better about this as a child than I am now. My family was getting ready to move. Uh, we lived in Laredo at the time, and my, wanted to, my mom really wanted to go see family. And I was just a kid. I was in third grade, and we were, we were going to move home to, to Jersey and Philly, where all the family was. And my best friend at the time was Brian. And I didn't know if he was a believer. And I remember uh, being in church after Sunday school one Sunday, I just pulled him in a room and I was like, Brian, I, you know, I don't know how many weeks we got left. I just, whatever a third grader says, right? I don't know. But I remember telling him, I remember telling him, like, I want to know. I didn't know I was coming back to the radio at the time. I just want to know you're going to be in heaven with me. You're my best friend. And I remember just telling him what I understood of the gospel at the time and saying, let's pray. And so I said words, and, and he prayed them in his heart. And then, and then we finished that prayer, and, and I remember thinking, like, I, I didn't hear him say it. I don't know. I don't know if he really said it because he had just said it, everything is mine. So I'm like, we got to do this again. I got to hear you say it out loud. And so we went back through the prayer a second time because I needed this peace. I needed this assurance that my, my best friend was going to be in heaven with me one day because I didn't know what was going to happen if I was going to see him again. And I tell you, church, it was so easy as a kid, and I got to tell you, it's so much harder as an adult just have the courage to share the gospel with the people that I love. You know, I can tell you nothing because of me, but all because of God. My, my friend Brian uh, uh, has attended seminary, and he's in charge of an athletic department up in Dallas at a Christian school, and he shares the gospel all the time. And, you know, uh, praise God that he was doing a work. And, that, I mean, I just had a little part in that, and God did all those other things in his life. But I know he's a believer. I know he's a believer. Uh, he's an unbelievable believer of Jesus Christ that I have as a brother to this day. We don't know what God's going to do in someone's life until we're courageous to just share, to just speak. Verse 17 through 20, he 
He says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. This being torn away that he speaks of is like the separation of a parent and a child. I was, I was reading this where he talks about how I, I eagerly awaited to see you. I eagerly wanted to be with you. I was torn away. And I thought about, you know, some of the first times that my young son, who's two now, and even now when, when I'm not with him during the day, when I leave for work, I'll find myself wondering, you know, is he okay? How's he doing right now? You know, it kind of pains me not to be with him. That's the type of relationship that Paul had with these believers. You know, we've got, even to the, you know, we've got all these ways we say goodbye. And, and, and JB, my boy, his latest thing now is the fist bump. Like we always wrap up all the hugs and everything with like, he's like, poppy, fist bump. And then he does the pow at the end. And then he walks off and does his thing. And we don't want to be apart. He wants to be with us. That's the type of relationship that Paul had with these believers. But it tells us in verse 18, it says, but Satan had hindered him from coming. Now, we don't know what it was, but somehow Satan had got in the way of him going to visit this group of believers. But did that stop God? No, because we hold this letter today that Paul said, all right, Satan, however this worked, that he couldn't get to them. He said, I'm going to write this letter. And God got that letter to that church. And we have that letter today. Church, I know that right now in your desire to seek after God, you're going through hard times. I'm going through hard times. My walk with God is not easy. I just told you it's not perfect for me. I wish it was. I, I hate the challenges that I face. And we can want to give up in those challenges that we face as believers. But if we will be faithful and if we will just cling back to God and seek after him like Paul, we know that the one, 1 John tells us in verse 4, 4, the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in this world. Satan is a worthy adversary, but Jesus has defeated him. So church, I want you to picture right now, whatever you're going through, whatever challenges, I want you to know God is greater. God is greater. Do not give up. And he wraps up and he says in these last verses, he says, what is my joy or my crown of boasting before God if it is not you? If it is not you? Think about all the things we invest in and nothing wrong with investing in, 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 in a home, investing in, in all sorts of things in our life. But what can be our greatest joy, church, but it's the people that God has put into our life. Just like we wait for things to mature, for things to develop, for that brisket to come out, right? For things that we plant in the fall and to bloom in our garden in the spring. One day, our greatest delight can be standing before God, seeing all the lives that, that he touched because we shared the love of God with others, because we chose to invest our time, our money in others. You may be sitting here, you may be at home this morning, and, and right now you may feel like, I can't invest in anybody else right now because I need so much for someone to invest in me. I have nothing to give. You know, actually, church, one of the best ways to, 
turn our walk around with Jesus Christ and to bring joy back into our hearts as Christians, even when we're hurting, is to start looking out for others and to ask God to fill our cup. Your cup may feel empty, but to ask God to fill your cup and to just begin to look out for others. And if you're truly at a point though where you feel like I just can't go on, I'm just gonna burst. If, if somebody doesn't pour something into me, no church that there are not perfect people in this church, but there are people that would want to invest in you and reach out, reach out to this church because we're not in this walk alone. But one of the greatest ways we can be encouraged in our life with Jesus Christ is by simply giving our life away. And so I wanna ask us church a little bit, what are some of the things that keep us from doing that? I want to encourage you because you're no different than me. Is it sometimes a lack of knowledge? We think, well, I can't invest in anybody else because I don't, I don't know God's word. You know what? There's a lot of other people that don't know his word either. I was, I was amazed by my neighbor years ago. We did a Bible study together and he, and he said, you know, I've never sat down and done this. And he put me to shame because the next day he got home and I just happened to be home the day that he was getting from work. And um, I think my wife was there too. And, and he said, you know, hey, at work today, I was walking everyone through that Bible verse and, we were, and he was sharing with everybody. And I was like, man, like it took me five years to have a Bible study with my neighbor and it took him hours to go and tell everyone in his company uh, this scripture that meant so much to him, right? He knew one verse. Church, we don't need to know everything. We just need to know something. We just need to open up this book and share it. Church, uh, are we discouraged because we just haven't been putting time with these relationships. Know that nothing's gonna change overnight, church, but if there's someone that's on your heart and you ask God for more time with them and you, you find ways, it's amazing that God will bring to mind things that you can do that are just in your normal, everyday way of life. It doesn't even have to be just sitting down like at some place to do a Bible study. You can invite somebody to go hunting with you. You can invite somebody to go uh, for dinner at your house. You can invite somebody. There's so many ways. Even right now, I, I thought Zoom couldn't work. A teenager in our church reached out to me a few weeks ago and just said, I have some questions and I, I thought, you know, my son goes to bed at 7.30, uh, which is awesome as a parent, by the way. Boom, he's done. And I thought, I can meet with this guy. And so we've been meeting the last couple weeks once my son goes to bed. And it's been so cool to be talking about God just through Zoom with this student from our church. Uh, Zoom can work, but, but God will honor our time. Church, is, is your sin holding you back? Uh, that's probably not a word we should use in church, right? But can I be honest with you? I feel pretty crappy sometimes. I feel pretty crappy wishing that I was more like Christ. I don't make all the right decisions. We come in here and we think we got to have it all together. And the Bible just says it's so not true. Church, if you're struggling with some sin, let's get down on our knees and ask for God's help. And it's amazing how he can turn things around for us in an instant, how he can take that guilt away, how he can take that shame away. It's never gonna be perfect, but we always have the love of Jesus Christ with us. Church, whatever's holding you back, it may be something else. Can I just assure you, it doesn't need to. There are people in your life that God wants to send you to that can be our greatest joy, that are worth so much more than anything we will ever invest ourselves in. Church, would you pray with me? Father, there's so much more. But we thank you for this time. We thank you for this time to open your word, to see the life of Paul. And God, I pray for my life. I pray for 
us, this church, Lord. And I pray, God, that as we walk with you here and now, we think about what you told Esther, that you were born for such a time as this. God, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, that any discouragement, that any distraction the enemy wants to keep any of us from and investing our lives into others, Father, that it would begin to melt away like this storm, Father. God, that you would bring to our hearts, to our minds, the people that we most deeply love, our children, our family, our neighbors, that coworker we care about. I don't know who it is for everyone, Lord, but you know and you can whisper those things to our heart. And Lord, I pray that you would lead us to share your love, God. The Bible tells us that you love us so much that you gave your life for us, God. We have received your love, Father. Let us be reminded of that love and let us pour it out. We pray all these things as your church and everybody said, thank you, church.